You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into trauma. And I know trauma is not a lot of fun to talk about sometimes, but it is vitally important. And the kind of trauma that I'm talking about is not really the trauma that you have experienced by being cheated on, by experiencing betrayal. I'm talking about some of the trauma that goes a little bit further back than that. That's a little bit deeper. The trauma that we're going to talk about today is childhood trauma. And that may be applicable for you. It may be applicable for your partner. It may be applicable to just friends and family. But if you look at the statistics around childhood trauma, it's pretty staggering. And the reason that we're talking about it is because it creates so many issues, so many furtherances of that trauma. And unless we start talking about it and identifying it and learning how to heal and move through it, we're only going to create more pain for people because the bottom line is hurt people hurt people. So with that, welcome to the show, Michael Unbroken. Michael deals with childhood trauma, and he is a coach, an author, and has got a pretty incredible story. So welcome, Michael. It's great to have you. Thank you, my friend. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Um, I would love to start just by talking a little bit about who you are, uh, why you got involved in this, and just your story around trauma. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the couple minute elevator pitch here. Cause I, I do believe that context is everything. Um, so I grew up in Indianapolis. My mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, in fact, when I was four years old, she actually cut off my right index finger and people always go, well, how could your mother do that? And it was just a continuation of abuse and trauma, right? You said it hurt people, hurt people. Then she married my stepfather when I was six. He was super abusive. The kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather. He'd kick the crap out of my brothers and I put me in the hospital multiple times. And, and I'd lay in bed at night and a little kid and I'd be like, God, spirit, universe, whatever, please send my dad to come and rescue me. And I found out at a very young age, nobody's coming. And, and we spent the majority of my childhood homeless and deeply in poverty. Um, in fact, I live with 30, three, zero different families between eight to 12 years old, getting bounced around place to place, getting evicted, living in vans. Like it was crazy. And when I was 12, my, my grandmother adopted me. Now you think that'd be a godsend, but I'm biracial, black and white. My grandma's super old racist lady from a town in Tennessee you never heard of. I mean, so much so we had a copy of Mein Kampf on our kitchen table, Hitler's autobiography, if you don't know what that is. And my uncle is in prison for life as a member of the Aryan Brotherhood. So you can imagine that chaos. And so at 12 years old, I got high for the first time, drunk at 13. And by 15, I was expelled from school for selling drugs. 
And I was like breaking in houses, stealing cars, running from the cops, getting shot at, hurting people. Like it was crazy what I was doing, but it was part of the environment and part of like having brotherhood. And so it was this really weird juxtaposition. And I finally got put into a last chance program, luckily, but I still did not graduate high school on time. And in fact, my summer school teacher goes, here's your diploma. We're done with you. Get out. And, and it was weird because I was like, all right, cool. I already hated school. I thought it was pointless. But now I was in this position where I was like, all right, now I'm in the real world. Finally, the thing that I wanted, but what do I do? And I made this declaration myself. I said, I want to make $100,000 a year legally by the time that I'm 21. And the legal part was super important. I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs multiple times. And my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Oh. I knew where I was going. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And so I said to myself, all right, 100,000 legally. I was like, oh, that's the solution for poverty. That's the solution for homelessness and abuse. And I got a job at 18 working for a fast food joint, had 52 people under me, learning leadership skills, P&Ls, loss, shrink, customer, like I was a baby, right? And, uh, and one day I'm chatting with a friend on MySpace, so I'll age myself a little bit here, and he hmm. got a brand new Tahoe. And I was like, how did you get a Tahoe? You're as dumb as I am. You went to the same high school as me. You did the same things. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I got a job working for an insurance company. And my mind was blown. I didn't know this was possible. I only knew buy here, pay here, warehouse jobs, fast food gigs. And so I said, ah, that's my way. So I worked really hard. I got a lot of skills, learn how to write resumes, learn how to do cover letters, learn how to interview. And for two years, I applied for every insurance company I could. And mm -hmm. right before I landed, right before I turned 21, I landed a job with a fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education, started making six figures. And then that thing happens that happened to people the first time they get money and it destroyed my life. Yeah. And I found myself heading into 25, 26 years old. I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my partner. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. I was done. I was yeah. like, yo, I thought money was supposed to solve this. And what I didn't recognize and understand was I was still that hurt, lost little boy. I hadn't done any of the work. I hadn't stepped into any of the healing. And I thought the thing that was going to solve me would, that would be my salvation became my biggest crutch. And so the next day I'm laying in bed, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Now keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake and watching the CrossFit games. <laughs> like if that's not <laughs> rock bottom, I don't know what is. And, and I got up and I went out and looked at myself in the bathroom mirror and I remembered being eight years old and the water company had come and turned our water off. And I went in the backyard. It's this blistering hot Indiana, August summer day. And I take this little blue bucket. I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And for the first time I stole water. Mm. And I remember being like, when I'm a grown up, this won't be my life. And it wasn't financially, but it was in every other way. And as I realized I'd given up on my promise to myself as a child, when I was looking in that mirror, I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And yeah. fast forward almost 12 years later, here I am talking to you today. And in that process has been a tremendous amount of work 
therapy, group therapy, men's group therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, ABC, all the acronyms. It was getting a coach, going to programs, going to seminars, investing in myself, reading the personal development books, showing up in my life. And today I have over 30 trauma-informed certifications. It was about doing the things that I told myself I was going to do, getting out of my own way, becoming the hero of my own story, and then ultimately realizing really by accident more so than anything that if I were to take this message and deliver it to the world that maybe people's lives could change. And today my mission is very simple to end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information. So another kid doesn't have a story like I just told you. Yes. Oh, amen to all of that. And there is so much richness in that. we, We could talk probably for 12 years on that, but let's just start with the what you said about what are you willing to do to have the life that you want? And what I really loved about that is you, as this little boy saw something better, you saw the kind of life that you wanted to have and you realized money was a part of it. And you went towards that money and you got the money, but that didn't solve your problem. And I think that's really important. And I just kind of wanted to put a thumbtack there because work It's all different kinds of work. It takes work to make money, but that personal development work is hard to do. And no matter where we go, there we are. And until that work gets done, nothing is going to change. What was it in you that really helped you understand it's not external? It's not more money. It's not a different partner. It's not a different house or a Tahoe. It's internal. What helped facilitate that shift? Well, I already had all those things and nothing was different. You know what I mean? Like I already had everything anybody could want. I mean, I was going out to $500 dinners. I had an $80,000 car. I had, again, to age myself, a whole bunch of Sean John suits. Like I was in this place in my life where I could do what I wanted financially whenever I wanted to an extent. And, and like, I had, I had women and I had cars and I had clothes and I had drugs and I had alcohol and had all those things except peace. And, and what I came to realize in that was that I was chasing the wrong thing. And part of that was growing up in like the example for success being that culture and growing up in a drug culture and, you know, seeing my friends, the only thing we ever talked about was, was cars and money and, you know, thinking that's how you have a solution for all of life's problems. And, and look, I'm the same guy, like no joke. I would make fun of personal development people. Tony Robbins was the biggest joke on planet earth to me. And, Mm -hmm. and I would make fun of this dude all the time. I remember one time a friend's girlfriend gave me a copy of Eckhart Tolle's a new earth. Like I was 20 and she saw something in me that was like, Oh, you should read this book. I threw it in the trash can. You know what I mean? And that was the kind of life that I was so scared, so terrified to be vulnerable, so terrified to look in the mirror, to have that moment with myself, to face the truth. You know, there, there's a, a, an idea that I've had for years now. And I think about trauma like this, it's not, it's not the experience that happens to us that cripples us. It's the theft of identity 
Because here's the truth about it. When you grow up in a home like mine, you learn how to not be yourself. You learn how to do that because your brain is adaptive. It's plastic. It's malleable. Your brain only cares about survival. It yeah. does not care about any of the other thing. It does not care about your dreams, your goals, your shirt, nothing. It cares about surviving long enough for you to procreate, to watch your procreations procreate. That's the surface of the brain. That's it. And so when you're five, seven, 12 years old, and every time you're you, your brain goes, wait a second, when I'm me, I get hurt. So I shouldn't do that. You learn to placate yourself. You learn how to bend yourself to the world for safety. That's the craziest part about this. Yes. People don't understand. And so you're in this position where you don't know how to show up for yourself. You don't know how to say yes. You don't know how to say no. And suddenly you're 22, 35, 64 years old. You've never said yes. You've never said no. You have no idea who you are and you're stuck every single day. And, and the truth about that is that part in learning to turn yourself off, that's autonomic. Like it serves you. Like that's the worst thing about this. Like it serves you. And then yeah. when you discover that it doesn't, it actually is holding you back. The most difficult thing you will ever do in your life starts to happen. You have to craft who you are. Like, as I sit here today across from you, like I am a realization of the person I thought I could be a decade ago when I sat down and I took this pen and I said, this is the life that I want to have. How do I get that? And I'm still in it. Like I'm, I'm 37 oh, yeah. years away from my goals. I'm not even remotely close. And so I think about this every single day, child abuse and trauma and those things that happened to us in our past, they equate who we are, whether or not we want to admit it. Because we're the sum total of all of our experiences leading up to this moment. And that means everything that's ever happened in our life informs who we are today. And, and trauma is like owning a house, right? And you go outside and there's trash in your front yard. And even though it's not your trash, you got to pick it up. Yes. Yes. Such a great analogy. And you know, I'm thinking about this from two points of view, because the people who listen to my show are most often the betrayed partner and being betrayed obviously creates trauma. And just like what you said, it's not my fault. It is not my fault that my partner cheated on me. In my case, my child, my partner cheated on me because of his childhood trauma. So that's a very generational thing. It's not my fault that I'm traumatized now, but I have to pick up that trash. I have to clean it up and it's not fair. And it's not fair that your mother cut off your finger. It's not fair that your stepfather beat you. It's not fair, but that is still your trash to pick up. And that's the first thing that I kind of want to talk about before we kind of flip around on the other side. But when we experience trauma and we have to clean it up, how do we stay positive and not bitter? And able to do that work because we know it does ultimately benefit us, but it's really hard. It's really hard. Well, think about this. If I gave you a backpack full of bricks, how long would you wear that thing around? Yeah. Not long. Right. And, and, and that's <laughs> the, that's the thing about this, right? You're, you're carrying this weight that sieves at you. It's poison. It's toxic. And the longer that you carry it, the more that it hinders you from being able to be you. And I think one of the greatest things that I've discovered in this journey for myself, and, and one of the things I, I treat, teach my clients is you've got to let go. Yes. 
it's not even like, look, it's not even forgiveness. These things are not mutually exclusive, right? It's you got to let go because if you keep carrying that with you, you're never going to go to what's next in your life. And, you know, I, I made a decision. It's the hardest choice I ever made in my life when I was 18 years old. I told my mother, I will never talk to you again. And until the day she died, I think I talked to her one time, maybe twice. Yeah. And, you know, she died legless, drug addict in some crazy hospital in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, because of the choices and decisions that she made. Yeah. If I carried that with me, I would not be here with you. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and that's the thing. I know that's a crazy idea to even understand and wrap your head around but letting go is simply looking at it and assessing the truth of the reality that you don't get any say in this. The past is the past. I can't even take back eight seconds ago. No. You know what I mean? And to hold on to that so white knuckled, like, good luck. Because I'm telling you, when, when I did that, when I held on to, and it's not that I don't have emotions, so I want to be clear about this, but when I held on to that level of anger and frustration and bitterness and all of those things, my life was a disaster. Yeah. And then I was sitting here thinking one day, I was like, why does, I can't do anything about it. I'm covered in scars and burn marks and, and the things of the experiences of the past. And every time I, my, I cannot escape my finger. I can never not no. look at that. But if I was in a position where I used to be, where every time I did, it enraged me, right? I drank, I smoked, I slept around, I chased money because it made the pain go away until it didn't. And then yes. what happened was I had to sit and realize that pain doesn't go away without a, a tremendous amount of healing. And then ultimately deciding, deciding to make a decision to let go. Yeah. And I will never like, look, I'm going to tell you something then people will hear this and it's going to mess up everything that I just said. I don't know whether or not I will ever forgive my mother for what she's done, but I do not carry the weight with me. No, I'm glad that you said that because I think forgiveness is too easily pushed. And I think it's maybe a last step, if at all. I, I love what you said. It is about letting go. Those She is the sum total of her decisions and choices and what happened to her. And you are the sum total of your decisions and choices and what happened to you. Yeah. And, and you got to own that too, because look, so many people won't own it. They'll be like, they want to play the victim all day long. And look, I'm the king of it. I will raise my hand. I did that for a very long time. But at some point you're going to have to decide, do you want to keep being the victim? Because if you do take a look at your life right now, because I promise you in 10 years, it's going to be the same. Yeah. And that's what really attracted to, uh, me to you when I was learning about your work is the women that I coach always, always will say, I am so broken. My husband cheated on me. I felt broken too. I was broken, but you talk about being unbroken. We get broken. So now let's unbreak ourselves. Let's make some choices to repair that and to move on. I don't choose to stay broken. I don't make that choice. And I don't have to. And that's what I love about you being, you know, Michael, unbroken. You are unbroken. And that is a choice. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's literally I've created myself. Yes. I've created everything. Like 
writing a number one best-selling book, having a top 100 podcast, coaching hundreds of thousands of people around the world, speaking on stages in front of 10,000 people, doing all the things that I've done in my life all started with me making a decision and having the willingness to face the fear of the unknown. Because here's one of the things that happens is we get so trapped in the certainty that is already chaotic that to move through uncertainty to what we don't understand that could be on the other side keeps us stuck. And yeah. I just sat, I realized one day I said, you know, the, the greatest loss you could have in life is that on your deathbed, when you take that last gasp, that like right before it's over, if you're so lucky, is that you'll think of the word regret. And to me, I'm like, I can't do that because that's a life unlived. And if you're sitting here like in relationships, in businesses, in partnerships, in friendships, in any environment that does not serve who you are and you refuse to change it, like I hate to break it to you, but you don't get a complaint. So you should shut up. And that's a really hard thing. That's a hard pill for people to swallow. But we are often far too, I, I hate to use this word. I don't have a better word to use at the moment. We're far too kind to ourselves when it comes to making hard decisions because we keep going, nah, tomorrow I'll do it. And then what happens is on a long enough timeline because of inevitability, you're going to run out of tomorrows. Yes. Yes. What I love about this too, and now I want to flip this around because you are like the perfect quote unquote redemption story. You were the betrayer and then you recreated yourself. You were betrayed by your mom, by your grandma, by the world, by systems, by, you know, by, by so many different things. And you were victimized. And then you dug deep, you made those hard choices and you built yourself up. Now, why I said there's two parts of this, people listening, A, you have the choice to create yourself. You have the choice to get over this. And you also have the choice to look at the person who hurt you in a kind of a different light, in the light of maybe somebody who has been hurt, who has experienced trauma. And it's not that you're feeling pity for them. It's not that you're forgiving them, but it's understanding that you were probably hurt by somebody who was hurt and has not gotten to the place that Michael is at yet. And they yeah, may, and, look, may and I'm, and, and I'm not perfect either. You use that word. I don't like that word. Cause I'm not, and I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm mm-hmm. still going to screw up. I'm still going to have moments in my life where I look at and I go, man, I told myself eight years ago, I'd never do that thing again. And then I do the thing because guess what? We're having a human experience. None of us have done this before. We don't know what we're doing. We all hold ourselves on such a high pedestal of what it means to be a human being. And we, we, we lose the space to have grace for the experiences of our life because we expect ourselves to be perfect when all you're doing is literally screwing up all the time. And and when you can like be okay with that and instead treat it as lessons and education and become a learner and assess the truth of that, there's so much empowerment in that, but you've got to be able to let yourself off the hook. Now I want to be very clear about this because I think this is very important. There is a very distinct difference between taking care of yourself and taking it easy on yourself, because I promise you, these are not the same thing. And so many people are sitting around taking it easy on themselves. Oh, the world is so hard. All these bad things are always happening. Blah, blah, blah. They've always been happening. They're always going to be happening. The media cannot wait for the next terrible thing to tell you about. 
They can't wait for you to have a miserable life because you read headlines. And when you make a decision and a declaration about how you want to live your life and you follow through on it, this really incredible thing happens. On a long enough timeline, you start to build this stuff called confidence. And with more confidence, you start to gain identity. And in identity, you start to have a better understanding of who you are. But you cannot get to that without first making a decision to let go of holding yourself to such a high, unattainable idea of what it means to be you. Because guess what? You ain't that good. You got to get better. You're not where you want to be yet. Yes. But that doesn't mean you can't get there. Right. But I love that distinction. Take care versus take it easy because it's all hard. It's hard. You know, so one of the things that people are always talking to me about is, do I get a divorce or do I stay? Well, a divorce is hard and staying is hard. If you're going to get a divorce, you need to figure out and rebuild yourself, or you're going to repeat this pattern in another marriage. If you're going to stay and you're choosing to do the work and your partner's choosing to do the work, it's going to be hard. And you're both going to be imperfect. My husband and I are four years out from our infidelity journey. We just had a fight last month where it took me back to a place where I was like, I don't know if I should do this anymore because we both made mistakes. And then of course we both figured it out, but you know what? We're going to keep having fights because we're human. And that's that taking care of but it's not taking it easy and stopping the work. Yeah. And, and look also like nobody knows what they're doing. No, nobody like, that's what's so crazy to me about this. It's like, we get into these agreements and relationships and we're like, we just expect everybody to have all the answers for us, but it doesn't work that way. And look, I've, I've been in relationships like that too. And I've made huge mistakes and I've looked at it and been like, okay, how do I assess this? Why did this happen? How did I get here? What do I need to shift? What happens next time something like this happens? How do I ultimately hold myself to my, my values? How do I be the person I said I was going to be? How do I let go when it happens to me? Like, and also at the same time, I'm like, who cares? Right. Like at the end of the day, like you have, there's so much more that we have than singular moments that build who we have the ability to be that we forget that. And we live in such a negative society. We always want to leverage the worst thing that's ever happened. Like it already happened. Yes. Keep carrying it with you. It already happened. So instead I think to myself, well, what are the good things? What are the powerful things? What are the beautiful things? What are the things we can leverage for what's next? And I apply this to everything because think about when you, you can literally look at scientific studies that point to getting into your sympathetic nervous system messes yes. up your body for four hours, if not more at a time. And that sparks from anger, from being triggered, from being upset, from being mad. And I just think about it. Like, what is the inner energy we're bringing in? What is the energy that we're using to connect with each other? How are we living our life? Where are we at right now? How do you for like, just put yourself in this position to sit down and have difficult conversations and create a framework and a roadmap for what you want. Yeah. And, and it just really like, it seriously comes down to the fact that we don't know what we're doing. So why don't you chill out for a minute? Yeah. Okay. So I love, I, I do a lot of identity work too. I love that you talk about identity because it's really important like that to figure out, okay, this is who I want to be. This is, this is the roadmap. I'm going to leverage all these positive things. I get it. This is what I want to create. And sometimes emotion still comes up 
what are your tips for moving through that emotion? So you're not stuff, stuff, stuffing it, but so you're also not sinking and carrying it. Yeah. Well, you've got to address it. Stop hiding it. Look, I think about this all the time. That thing that keeps you awake at night, that's the thing you need to address if you want your life to be different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's where I think it really begins because how can you navigate the other experiences of life if you're constantly being bombarded by that one thing that you know needs your attention? So yeah. I always think to myself, well, how do you even get to an emotional state with clarity when you're so clouded because that thing that wakes you up at 3 a.m. has been waking you up at 3 a.m. for the last month? How do you ever assess anything else happening in your life? It's a step-by-step -step process. And when the emotions come, I say, let them come. Like now there's a, there's an aspect in which you have to control them, but right. it is, but it starts ideally with like, just letting it exist, looking at it and going, okay, cool. How does this serve me right now? Cause I promise you stepping into the conversation and anger is not going to be the same outcome as stepping into conversation, being neutral and looking for solutions. Right? right. And, and I think that's the thing that people have to understand is, you know, you can get caught up in happiness in the same way you can get caught up in anger. Right. And, and that, that to me is almost more scary. Like the people who are always happy. I'm like, yo, I don't think so. You need to think about this for a minute, but it's about, can you get to neutral every day? I, I don't ever fly too happy, too sad, to this, to that. I'm always trying to navigate and letting the experience of the moment exist and just being like, great, that was fun. I'm excited because those emotions, they wear off. And then That's what do you want to do with the aftermath of that? Right. You know, there, there's collateral damage sometimes when you're too happy or too angry for too long. Yes. You know, yeah. and so I think it's just, you've got to have a massive amount of self-awareness. One of the greatest tools that we have is a pen, like sit down and just dump all that crap out of your brain onto a piece of paper, onto your iPad somewhere where it's not just here circulating. And then that yeah. thing that comes up, like that's your truth. Yeah. And so what are you going to do with that truth? And that's where you start to be able to navigate your emotional capacity because, you know, and we live in this really weird time where like, 46% of people are on antidepressants or anxiety medication. That, that to me doesn't make sense. And I look at that and look, let me say this. I do believe they serve a purpose. So I'm not going to say that they don't. I've even tried them before, but I've never felt so numb in my life. I'll right. never forget the first time I got on anxiety medication. I was just like, I feel numb. Yes. And that's anxiety. Here was my discovery. And I don't know if this holds true for everyone, but the moment I started getting honest, my anxiety went away. Yeah. I love the phrase, get honest, because that's what it's about. And that's why so many of the people, women that I work with, they've been betrayed and they say, I feel stuck. I feel stuck. I feel stuck. I love that you said that because I think 99% of being stuck is not being honest. I don't want to address this. So I'm going to stay stuck. I don't mm -hmm. want to address this. So I'm going to own my victimhood. I don't want to address this. So I will, whatever. I love how you said, just address it. It's so simple yet. It's so difficult and we need help. You mentioned coaching, counseling books. What can you say? What, you know, advice can you give to listeners who are like, okay, I am stuck. Maybe I do need to get honest, but I do think I need a little bit of help. Where can I go? Look, you need to go to the mirror first. Like, like really people, look, here's why I'll tell you exactly why, because people will go, well, I got a coach and it didn't work. <laughs> I went to therapy and it didn't work. I did group and it didn't work. I took medicine and it didn't work. 
right? So often people are looking for the scapegoat. I tried, Laura, I tried. I did everything I could. I tried. Yes. Go look in that mirror first. Have a real conversation with yourself and then decide what you need to do. Yeah. Because the truth is the reflection is going to tell you everything that you need to know. Like I remember distinctly having this moment of looking at myself and being like, when you go to therapy, maybe instead of wasting hundreds of dollars a week, you tell this fool the truth. Yeah. Huh? What would that do to my life? And that became this willingness to face the uncertainty of vulnerability. Yeah. Right. That came in this place of being able to go and look at my life and say, all right, I know that the only way my life is going to become different. I'm not even saying better because I don't know what that means, but different is I'm going to have to show up as a different person. And that all sparked from that moment of getting really nakedly honest with myself because people won't do that. And they'll go to therapy like I did. And they'll sit there and just say whatever the therapist want they what they believe the therapist wants to hear. And, you know, it's a, a waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of all of your energy. Yeah. Now, let's say you go through that process. You look in the mirror and you're like, I know exactly what I need to do. I think about it in the aspect of an acronym I came up with one day called TEAM. T-E-E-M means time, effort, energy, money. If you want your life to be different, you're going to have to invest one, but you're probably going to have to invest all four. Yes. And, and the truth is that when you're willing to do that, you're going to see radical changes happen in your life because you're going to switch the way that you're thinking about the world. You're going to invest in yourself. You're going to do the things that you need to do. You're going to find a coach who actually is going to push you. Like people know you come into coaching with me. Don't come in here with sob stories. Don't come in here blaming. Don't come in here victim yes. because the truth is you're coming in here to change your life. I'm here to be your coach. I am not here to be your friend. I right. promise you that. And that's the thing that's really fascinating about this journey is I get to watch people's lives completely transform completely. It's insane to me. I cannot tell you how often I get messages from people and they're like, you saved my life. First off, I didn't, you did that. I only ever saved one life and it's mine, right. but I gave people the tools. How do you, the question I always ask people is, how do you use these tools that I have if you're not even willing to go and look at yourself in the mirror? Yes. Right. And so that's where it starts. And then on the backside, investing your time, because it's going to take you longer than you think. Investing your effort, because you're going to need a lot of Art. it and energy. You're going to need more of that and money. Because look, guess what? People who get stuff for free don't do anything with it. I never have. Send me something for free. I promise you it'll be covered in dust. Yeah. I invest $15,000 into coaching. Yeah, I'm showing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the beginning, I couldn't do that. At the beginning, it was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to the library. Seriously. And I'm going to read all these books. And in the last decade, I've read like 700 books. And the majority of like 90% of them are from the library. You know what I mean? Because that's an like it's there. It's an avenue. It's YouTube. It's podcasts. It's about starting, right? People yes. will come and they'll they'll be like, "I don't have a million dollars." Okay, so what? You got the internet, don't you? Yeah. But you're watching TikTok all day. All yeah. right. Well, guess what? Are you going to make excuses for your life or not? Because I'm looking for solutions and you're looking for excuses. So yes. find a way to invest in yourself and choose to put yourself first. And then my favorite one of all time is people go, well, I don't have enough time. I go, show me your calendar. Well, there's nothing on your calendar. So it looks like you only have time. Right. All right, cool. Well, I got eight kids. Okay, cool. Get up at 3.30 in the morning. How bad do you want it? 
Like seriously, that's what it comes down to. How bad do you want this life? Because you're going to have to work for it. I don't know anyone who has ever been successful who didn't have to work for it, who didn't have to show up, who didn't have to put in rigorous hours and cut out things that didn't matter and get control of their time and move towards a goal, knowing it's going to take them 10 years when they thought it was going to take five minutes. Right. And, and that's the trick to this, right? You put your feet on the pavement, you choose a direction, you have massive clarity about where you want to go and you go towards that by any means necessary. And if you're not willing to do that, you don't get a complaint. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm really loving about this besides everything (laughs) is that it is personal. You are the one that gets to decide. You are not saying I am a victim of my mother, my mother, my mother, my mother. I am a victim of my stepfather, my stepfather, my stepfather, my stepfather. So many of the women that I coach that I work with will say, but it's a marriage, but there's two of us, but it it depends on him, but it doesn't. It's about you. If your partner chooses to do some of this hard work, they may, and they may not, but it truly is about you because this is your life. And I like how you talked about that last breath at the end of your life, because there would be nothing worse than saying, I spent the last 40 years waiting for somebody to get their stuff together so I could get my stuff together uh-uh, and get your stuff together. Maybe yeah. they'll come along and maybe they won't. It's, it's not really your problem. And, and look, and if they don't make a decision, one of my clients right now, she's 63 years old, left her husband two years ago is now living a life she never imagined possible, has gone through, her life is completely different in the last year since we've worked together because she made a choice and she made a decision. And she said, I'm going to go and do this. And it's, it's literally a 180. This woman could not be more different than day one when she showed up into coaching with me. And, and it came down to the, the truth of the reality of everything we're talking about. You can play the victim or you can be the hero. Ultimately, I promise you, it takes the same amount of energy. Yes, that's the thing. It does take the same amount of energy. And I also appreciate that you said we can't predict the future. It's not like you're saying you're going to take all this energy and it's going to be better or it's going to be worse. It's going to be different, but at least it's going to be yours. Yeah. And, and, and when it's yours, guess what? All the mistakes are on you too, yeah. right? And so you've got to be willing to look at those and go, okay, cool. I'm going to learn in this. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to have a human experience, but it's also, I had one of my mentors and I know people don't love him, but I do Grant Cardone, um, who's one of my business partners, this amazing human being. So I spoke in front of 10,000 people at one of his conferences. And at the end of it, he looks at me, he goes, dude, take your flowers. And that just meant as much as we take responsibility for the bad things, we have to also take responsibility for the good things. And sometimes you just need to pause and be like, man, I'm so proud of myself. I got out of the relationship. I left the job. I started the business. I did the podcast. I wrote the book. I traveled the world. I I did the thing I said I was going to do. That's how you build confidence. That's how you build self-esteem. You show up and do what you say you're going to do. Like people know this about me. Like my greatest character trait and simultaneously my greatest character flaw is I'm unbelievably stubborn. And so when I make a decision, it's done. And that's the thing about life. When you decide you've got to follow it through and that's how things become different. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important. You are saying that your mission is to end this generational trauma. And I want to pivot around to that and talk about the impact of generational trauma. Um, 
a quick explanation of what it is for listeners who might be saying, well, I, I can guess what that is, but I'm not exactly sure what that is. I'd love to give your, your definition, your take on what does that mean? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's a continuation of the chaos that is humanity, right? I mean, you think about it, human beings are pretty terrible, right? Yes. And, and it's shocking to me. We actually live in the most peaceful time in history. Like, yeah. believe it or not, I know that's a weird thing. Go look statistically at, at, at rates around murder, around rates, around death, around all the, we live in the safest time in history. The media perpetrates this idea that it's far more dangerous. I'm not saying it's not because it always has been because for whatever reason, humans like to kill each other. And so when you understand that and you understand the fact that generationally, again, coming back to my point earlier about this idea that we're the sum total of our experiences, we operate based on learned behavior. So somewhere long down the line, 70 generations ago, that first thing happened in your lineage. And that carried through again and again and again and again and again. And then you're in this position where now you have been impacted by it. And that comes because the people in front of you, the people who brought you into this world, they didn't do their work. They didn't show up. Now, look, a lot of that is societal, right? Especially if you're around my age or a little bit older, having parents who grew up during World War II and the Industrial Revolution and then slave trade before that. And the list goes on and on and on and on. There's always this impact of chaos that has kind of been at the forefront of what it means to be a human being. And ending generational trauma is very simply about giving people an idea that maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And, and that only comes through doing things like this. Yeah, it does. Doing the work now. And what I think is meaningful about generational trauma is for those of us who have kids, we love our kids. I don't want to pass this down to my kids. I'd rather do the work and end what I can end now so that they can have a better life, so that they can have a more peaceful existence. Yeah. And more people have to adapt that. And, and it's really funny, the the most polarizing thing I ever, ever, ever post on social media, I do about once a month is there's this graphic that I, I found one time that said, should you spank your kids? Yes. And no. And then that's, and then this people destroy each other in there. And it always seems to come back one side or the other. People are like, no, you can never do that. And the other side is like, it didn't hurt me. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you oh. sure? You know what I mean? And so, because if it didn't, then maybe your kid wouldn't be coaching with me. You know what I mean? And so I, I think you just got, again, this comes down to awareness, right? Yes. I can sit here and give you all the information. You can look at all the statistics on average, 83% of people in this country have been impacted by trauma, traumatic experiences. Yes. I would argue it's 95. It's probably actually a hundred non-reports when you consider growing up in a home like mine, where it was like, if you ever talk about this, it's going to be way worse than you can imagine. Right. And so you have all these circumstances that lead to this place in which now you're faced with trying to make meaning of, of recognizing like everyone is impacted by this and to, to downplay it and to just simply be like, nah, it didn't impact me that much. Are you sure? Go check your relationship. Why is your partner like you never talk to me, right? Go check your friends. Why is the only thing that you have in common talking about stuff that doesn't matter at all? Why is it that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't do it? Don't tell me you're not impacted by those things. And so to end that, to move through that, it really does start with acknowledgement. And it starts with being willing to have a really difficult conversation with yourself. 
And if you're willing to do that, I'm telling you, everything will be different. So on a long enough timeline, I'm like, how do I show up more podcasts, more books, more conversations, more speaking, more schools, more everything, because like, ultimately I don't like, what else am I going to do? I just don't even know anymore, you know? Right. Right. You were talking tying this back in. You talked earlier, you said you were overweight, you were smoking, you were running around, chasing money, doing illegal things. So often when we think I'm going to make changes, we think small steps, small steps. Sometimes small steps really help rewire our brain. Sometimes it's those big steps. I'm getting rid of all of it. How did you make that change? And do you have any insider recommendations, whether people should wipe the slate clean and just start fresh or do small steps? Well, I think it's a combination of both, right? I mean, I really do because there's some things like great example, you can quit a job right now immediately, right? You could do that. That, that doesn't require small steps, right? Right. That's easy. Right. But, but then there's other things that are habitual that are self-soothing, that are things that you feel like make you feel sane, even though they're destroying your life. And I, I have found in my own personal life that it's taken a lot longer to take those things out than I would want. Um, there are areas which for sure I cut a line in the sand and I said, never again. Yes. But you know, that's like stuff that I really looked at. I was like, oh my God, this is really destroying my life. And so I think you, again, it comes down to clarity and being able to get really aware about who you are, because there are people who can just go, all right, I'm done. And I've decided, I think it takes a lot of time to get to that place when yes. you've never decided for yourself before. If, if, if you didn't have traumatic experiences and you never had problems in your life and you always had a support system, it's probably a lot easier to make those kind of decisions. But when you haven't, I think it's just this process of John Maxwell wrote a book called failing forward, which I think everyone yeah. should read. It's a, it's a leadership book, but I think everyone should read it. And, and he talks about this idea that even though you're failing, you're failing forward because you're learning. Yes. You only fell backwards if you don't learn. And when I read that book, I was like, oh, cool. So that helps me understand the world better because I know when I get triggered, like I want to smoke a cigarette, right? And so I started getting awareness around the things that led to the moment in which I acted. And I think that's the most important part. And then after long enough, you know, I think I quit smoking eight years ago now, but that came from this, it might be seven, somewhere in that window. It came from this moment of being like, oh, I understand why I do this now. Yes. Causation and correlation is so important because if you don't know why you're doing something, that means it's autonomic. And if it's habitual and autonomic, you can't change it without awareness, right? Yes. Your car works fine until the timing belt goes off and the check engine light comes on. And so without the check engine light, you never know, okay, I need to fix this. But the check engine light for humans doesn't exist until you go look in the mirror. Yes. That is so valuable. Also, when you think about so many of my women say, why did my partner cheat on me? Why did my partner cheat on my, my partner wants to make this work. We're trying to work this out and they don't know why they did it. Cheating is a self soothing thing. It's not that your partner doesn't love you. It's not that they have a moral failing. Like you said, the brain keeps us safe and there's some kind of self-soothing. There's something in us that thinks cheating is going to help. It's going to help. And I like how you say causation and correlation, because unless 
your partner is willing to look at the mirror and say, what is truly causing this? What are the correlating stressful factors? What's really going on? This is why I did it. This is why I might continue to do it or why once I get understanding, I won't do it again. Yeah. And, and look, and there's a, there's a lot in that. And I don't know if we have enough time to go into the depths of my thoughts around it, but you know, it's often not even only just that it's about significance, right? We, we forget to show up for each other, right? We forget to take care of each other. We forget to sit down and have conversations and go on walks and have dates and be intimate and have great sex. And we sit here and watch Netflix all night. Yeah. And we lose the excitement. We lose what it means to be in coupledom. We lose that thing about honoring and protecting each other. But also at the beginning, sometimes it's never even declared what is and is not acceptable in relationships, right? And there's there's so much that just goes unsaid. That's why I think that it's so important to have clarity in everything. This pin, I'm telling you, is so important. Like I think about it, I'm like, write down an agreement of your relationship. You'll buy a car you sign an agreement, you get a job, you sign an agreement, you go to the bank, you get an agreement. And yet in this thing, people don't think like that. Like I know exactly the kind of relationship I want to be in to AT 100% because I wrote it all down. So there's no surprises when it doesn't happen. Cause I go, okay, it didn't happen. Great. That's not what I want. We're not in alignment. Goodbye. And like, that's the thing I think people have to realize and understand. It's not even necessarily, I think so many people get caught up because I've been cheated on. I have cheated. I've been on both sides of this coin. And I think the one thing that people fail to recognize and understand about it is it's, it's significance. We want to be seen, heard, and felt. That's the same thing the other person wants when infidelity comes from the other side. Because, and look, I take full responsibility. I go, great, where did I screw up? What did I do wrong here? Where did I not show up? Where was I ignoring? What do I need to do better, right? And I think there's something to be said about taking responsibility, even though it sucks and it's a weird thing to hear, but I take responsibility for everything in my life. Yes. everything. Like if somebody in my family died right now, a thousand miles away from where I am, it would be my fault. Right. I would look at that and go, what can I have done to avoided that? Could I have invested in a company that's helping to solve that problem? Could I have shown up on an airplane and taken them to lunch that day? And then their house wouldn't explode. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But, right. but my, my point is there's, there's something in this in which we have to realize like at some level, it's on us to create the life we want to have. Yes. And I think that applies across the board, right? I heard yes. somebody say something really incredible the other night, Scooter Braun. He goes, you have to, you have to redate your wife every single week. Yeah. You got to close the deal again every single week. And I was like, that's yeah. such a spectacular thought because it's so true. Cause so many of us get complacent when we get what we want. And so how do you make that goal bigger? I apply this to business, to life, to everything that I do. I go, if if my goal is to be with this person, I need to make it a million times bigger than it is because the moment you get complacent, everything gets different. You know, there, I, I look at it in terms, and I know this is a weird way to phrase it, but I look at it in terms of business. If your business makes the same amount of money as it made last month, your business is actually failing, right? You are not growing you are sinking. If your relationship is the same as it was last month, same thing, your body, your health, your mental acuity, everything. If you're not going up, you can only be going down. You cannot coast because on a long enough timeline coasting, you're going to run out of gas. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. So where can listeners learn more about you and your coaching and your work and just get some of that inspiration? 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, and thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. Um, it really means a lot to me because that means you're a part of my mission and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken, um, but you can listen to the Think Unbroken podcast. That's at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com or just search Think Unbroken on Spotify or whatever. Um, everything I teach is there for free. Perfect. Everything. Yes. So. Perfect. Perfect. And we are switching podcasts and I will be on Michael's too. So I will be, be sure to make that link. So if you're like, oh yeah, we need to continue this. Yeah. You got a whole other podcast to listen to around that as well as diving deep on team and all of his other amazing content. Um, listeners, I know some of this is hard. I know sometimes it's hard to get really radically honest, but I will say that is what changed my life. And you can see that is what changed Michael's life. And is it uncomfortable and easy? No. But like Michael was saying, coasting is also uncomfortable and not easy. And failing is also uncomfortable and not easy. So in the vein of choose your heart, choose your heart, choose yourself, have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is more than enough.